Welcome to the Wellspring Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this Sunday's service. I believe that the Lord in this season, what he's doing in the church, that he is... Wanting, to, I believe that the next move of God is hap- happening in families, around tables, in conversation. And I believe that um, the Lord has called fathers to lead. And, um, and I don't just believe it's something where um, we have uh, just a father and his family. But I believe in the body of Christ is that, um, that men and fathers that we get to carry the responsibility of fathering all of those around us and speaking into their lives and declaring what the Lord's saying. And so, um, I, I have seen this. I believe the enemy, his plan has been to attack the family structure and the home. I believe that his agenda would bring would, is to bring discord and dysfunction into family. Would you agree? Is I believe that there has um, been an attack on the, the family structure. And I believe even when we see family... Um, and you say, well, that's a nice family and everything seems good is I believe that there are even things that the enemy would like to try and discreetly bring into families that actually, um, when it comes down to it, it, it doesn't end up being a home where the presence of God resides. And I believe that's the Lord's heart. I believe leadership in the kingdom of God are those who carry the presence of God. Um, it's not who has the loudest voice. It's not who, um, it's not who can just tell everybody what to do. Authority is those who carry the presence of God in the kingdom. That's what it looks like. And I believe that the Lord is wanting our homes to look like houses of prayer. He's wanting our homes to look like places where we honor the Lord. And uh, because the Lord's the one who, how many of you want a peaceful home? Yeah. How many of you like parents with young kids? You're like, I need some of that in my life. And, uh, and I believe that the, the Lord gives us it's his peace. It's his joy is that he does those things. And um, and I'm saying all this to say, especially unto fathers, is I believe that the Lord is really in this season wanting to consecrate us. He's wanting to set us apart that we would actually be the people that he's called to lead our homes well. And not just our homes, but because I know homes can look different. I know situations can look different. But in your life is that you would be an example of the father's heart. And so I want to today, I'm actually wanting to talk about the holiness of God, because I believe that the Lord is wanting to restore holiness into our lives. And maybe you have heard the word holiness and you're like, oh, boy, like, I don't know if I want to stay here because the messages I've heard of holiness this, I might just get beat up today. And I want to tell you today, I'm not here to beat you up. And the message of holiness is actually not one that beats you up. You might've just heard wrong. And so I want to maybe, I I want you to put on your seatbelts today and just say, Lord, teach me because I feel like all week the Lord's been teaching me. Okay. And I feel like it's only right that I only teach you what the Lord's taught me and that I'm not just um, giving you another good message, but this is what the Lord's saying. And so in a minute, I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. So if you have um, something to take notes on, take notes, but holy, the holiness of God, whenever we think of holiness, how many of you probably think of, um, 
just doing the right thing. You think of moral purity. How many of you think moral purity when you think of holiness? Holiness is actually this. Holiness is something being utterly unique. Holiness is to be utterly or to be holy is to be utterly unique. The best example that we could I picture, I guess I could give would be our son. Okay. The son, not my physical son, but the son that shines that if you look at it, it'll hurt your eyes. That son is that that son is utterly unique to our um, solar system. It is right. And actually, and so I'm going to kind of use that as a picture of the holiness of God. Okay. Do you know that we have life as a result of the sun? Okay. You take away the sun and life doesn't happen. I would say it's the same when it comes to God and his holiness that you remove that you remove life. Now, also, if you get too close to the sun, it, um, it can be destructive, right? And so I want to, I want to paint a picture here. Just remember this. I'm not saying the, the Lord. Um, uh, all right. So let's go. We're gonna go to the Old Testament. How many of you, whenever you look at the Old Testament, have ever read about God's temple and you read about the inner courts and the Holy of Holies? Anybody ever heard that? So what would happen back in the day in the Holy of Holies is in order for a priest, the high priest to go into the most holy place where the presence of God resided is that they would have to purify themselves right? They would have to go through some different things to make sure that they were pure. Um, there's something in the, you read in the book of Leviticus, and that was all about ritual, um, being ritually pure. Okay. It was the Lord saying, this is how I want you to live pure. Like, don't touch this. Don't do that. Don't do this. And we know that the old Testament is all pictures. It's types of, it's, it's shadows. It's pictures of truth truth that God is showing us even in the new covenant. Right. And so I'm, I'm wanting to teach you today. So follow with me. Okay. Is that what would happen with these high priests is that they would have to go and do these things to make sure that they were pure because if they went into the Holy of Holies and they weren't completely pure, they would die. All right. It was this picture of if an impure thing touched the purity of God, it got destroyed. Okay, that's pretty intense, right? They would actually tie a rope around the ankle of the priest just in case, and they'd put a, a, a noisemaker like a bell or something. If they didn't hear him for a while, they'd be like, "Well, the boy messed up. Let's pull him out." And um, and so, but something happens um, in the Old Testament where we begin to see this picture of something different. And if you would go to Isaiah chapter six with me, we can put it up. And it says this in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. So it's these pretty wild looking creatures that he's seeing, and it says, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. So there's this picture of 
the glory of God and the holiness of God being encountered, right? And it says, at the sound of their voices, the doorsteps and threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. So the prophet Isaiah is seeing all of this. He's having a vision. And then it's, he's, this, is, this is Isaiah's response to seeing the holiness of God. He says, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. He's like, I'm done. I'm done. And he says, for I am a man of unclean lips. We see the purity of God encountering the impurity of man. And then this happens. He says, and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So he's like, I've seen the holiness of God. I'm ruined because I realize my impurity. How many of you have ever realized your impurity before? Yeah, all of us maybe even this morning. And then, and then this happens, which it was completely different than what we've experienced in the old Testament. It says, then one of the seraphim, these angelic beings flew to me with a live coal in his hand, this live coal, it represented the purity of God. It was something that was pure. It was something that was pure. And it says, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And then it goes on to say with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. It was the first time that we saw something pure touch something unpure, impure. Instead of it being destroyed, it actually imparted purity to that thing. We begin to see this picture of like, oh, wait, wait, that, that the holiness of God didn't destroy something. It is actually imparting holiness is actually imparting purity. Right. And then um, there's this other picture where Ezekiel um, in chapter 47, starting in verse six, y'all just follow along with me. He says this, this, so let me give you a little backstory. Ezekiel is having, um, he's having this moment where he is seeing a vision of the temple of the Lord. And he has, um, this man is walking him through and showing him he's getting instruction on the temple. This is what it looks like. This is how big it was. He's jotting down all the details. He's jotting down all of the rituals. And this is what we're supposed to do in the temple. And then there's a shift in chapter 47. And this, um, this being says to Ezekiel, he says, he asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. So what had happened here was the, when um, Ezekiel looked at the temple, he saw water flowing out of the temple. And it was flowing into all these places and wherever it reached something dead, it caused it to come alive. It says it actually flowed into the dead sea and as it went into the dead sea, it became alive. And so it was saying this is that we begin to see in the temple where it used to be that something impure touched the pure thing and it was destroyed. Now we see that there is actually something flowing out of the temple and everything dead it touches, it brings to life. Now, How many of How many of you know that when Jesus came on the scene, um, he came in a time where in the religious culture, um, everyone believed that if you had an external 
ailment, if you had leprosy or you had something that meant that you had something wrong with you on the inside. And so you didn't touch. You would have had somebody say, well, this person's unclean, right? But Jesus comes full of the spirit of God, full of the life of God. He's pure. Jesus is holy, right? And he comes and he begins to touch every impure thing. And when he touches those impure things, they become pure and they become whole. Right? Is he began, Jesus doesn't come and say, well, I'm so holy, like you can't get around me or um, you might, you know, make me unholy or you might die. He doesn't. But you see the heart of God revealed and that he says, my desire was always that I would impart holiness and purity to you. All right. So I'm wanting to paint a picture here of God's heart is because we live in a day where holiness is all the work of God in you. Holiness actually comes from the Lord, which is my point today is that a lot of times we feel, or we have maybe even been taught that holiness is our responsibility. Like it's our gift to God. You know, God, you forgave me. You forgave my sin. Now my responsibility is to try and be holy. How many of you tr have tried to be holy before? And if we're talking as far as being morally pure, We've probably all failed, but holiness is that you, it actually is an identity thing. The Bible over and over again, I was reading the New Testament. It talks about you were made to be holy is that the Lord has made you holy by the blood of Jesus. So it, holiness, meaning this is that if holiness means utterly unique is that you are actually, because he is utterly unique, you are utterly unique because you were made in his image and likeness. What the gospel is, what the cross meant for you, what, what Jesus' blood being shed meant for you is that you were getting to be brought back to God's original intent for your life. It wasn't just now he simply puts up with me because of Jesus. It was actually getting you back to who you always were in him. So holiness, when we talk about holiness, we're not talking about moral purity. We're not talking about, hey, you try and get it together. I know a lot of people who live in disappointment because they said, I've tried and tried and tried to get over this issue in my life and this issue in my life and this issue. And I, I just can't. I've tried. I've, I've messed up over and over and over again. And I would tell you this is that. Purity follows holiness because holiness is an identity. When you realize that you are holy. It actually empowers you to live a life of purity. Yes. And holiness comes because you've encountered the Holy One. You, he says, so let me, let me give you some scripture. All right. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I want to propose to you today that you are actually made to be holy. It's actually your spirit man inside of you is lost longing for holiness. And that's not, again, it's not that your spirit man saying, would you please get it together so that I can feel holy? 
There is a cry in your spirit that says, I was meant to be holy, meaning that I've got to encounter the holiness of Christ. I've got to encounter him. I've got to be with him. I've got to see him. I've got to, I've got to know him in his presence. Like this morning, as we gather in his presence, we are encountering Jesus, the Holy One. It's in that place, in that place alone that we are made holy. And so we have to continually come to that place. Colossians chapter one, verse 21 through 23 says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. So why did Jesus die? He, he went to the cross to present you holy. He went to the cross to present you utterly unique the way that the Lord made you. Now, if I were to say, hey, are you utterly unique? You might say, well, I'm a little weird, but I don't know about utterly unique. But you were made in the very image and likeness of God, meaning that you were meant to actually carry his character and his purity, meaning that everything in your life that looks like sin and weight is not what you were ever meant to carry. But we do know it's a reality. We know that we, it has happened in our lives. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The good news is that the Lord isn't asking you to carry that. Jesus came so that you don't actually have to be submitted to sin and death in your life, but that you can actually reign in life, that you can take dominion again in life. And as you encounter him, you become holy. Okay. This is truth. This is truth today. I want you to hear this is because I believe many of you might be striving in the world of, um, of behavior modification and trying to do better and get better. And I can tell you is that even all of your goodness, it doesn't mean a thing to God. What matters to him is that you'd encounter him and that his holiness would make you holy. And actually, I believe it says in Colossians that as we see him, we see ourselves for who we we're meant to be. It's actually who you really are. How many of you? So who you really are is found in him. How many of you have ever have ever in your life felt like had this feeling or this thing where you said, I feel there's greatness in me? Anybody? But maybe you're living in the reality of like, I feel like there's more to me, but I just don't see it manifesting. Like I just, I still feel like I'm not there. Anybody? Or maybe you tapped, you did something great. You did something awesome. And you're like, man, that felt like I was myself. I felt like I was stepping into who the Lord made me to be. When I, when that happened, when I said that, when this happened, I felt like something came alive in me. Well, there is who you were really meant to be in Christ. There's just all these other things a lot of times that are the lies of the enemy that keep you bound and from being the person the Lord made you to be. And a lot of times in our own strength, we're trying to sift through and work that out. We're like, oh, if I can just do this. And we feel like we're just trying to get to God. And it really is as simple as learning to come to him, to see his encounter, his holiness and that becoming who we are. As we see him, we become like him. So wherever you're not seeing Jesus, there's no power to actually become that in your life. So Jesus is healer. But until you intimately encounter the healer, you might not be the healed. But as you intimately, as you seek him and say, I want to know you as the healer, you begin to say, oh, because he's the healer, it implies that I'm the healed and I can step into that. 
until you intimately know him as the savior, you won't ever feel like you're the saved. Until you intimately know him as father, you won't know him as son or daughter. And so however, you, whenever you see him, it, it frees you to become who you really were and who you really are, who he's always, call, always called you to be. The, the Bible says that from the foundations of the earth, he intended for you to be holy. It's mean you were actually created to be utterly unique. Like God, not God, but like him, I mean, carrying his nature. You are his you are his creation. You are his sons and daughters. It's what you were made to be. Y'all follow me this morning? Come on, it's good. And I want to give you some real practical things today to, to encounter him as the Holy One. I, I know that might kind of seem like, wow, that seems really out there. And like, how do I, the holiness of God, like, how do I encounter that? That seems, whew, you know, but um, I want to, I want to lead us there. I want to give you a few more scriptures first. First Peter chapter one, 13 through 16 says, therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. It says as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy. So be holy in all you do for it is written, be holy because I am holy. So God's like, Hey, I'm holy. Be holy. Come and be holy. It's an invitation. Hebrews 10, 10. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I'll say it like this. Many of you have been made holy through the blood of Christ, but you just haven't realized it yet. You've called, still called yourself something different than what God called you. And he's wanted to reveal that to you. Ephesians chapter one, verse 22, and he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. Talking about Jesus, God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And I put that in there because Jesus, he is the leader and the source of everything we do. He is the, um, he, he is the ultimate authority. And so what has the ultimate authority called you? What has he called you? I believe if we, you know, I heard um, Pastor Bill Johnson says this. He says, I don't have time to think any thought about myself that God doesn't think about me. He said, I don't have time for it. I have to learn what he's thinking. I have to know his thoughts about me. Some of you have been living in a place where maybe you've assumed what God's thought or you've had lots of thoughts about yourself. And I believe the Lord is saying, I want you to think my thoughts about you. His thoughts for you are good. Because he sees you through the lens of the cross. He loved the Bible actually says that as the father has loved Christ Jesus, so he has loved you. It's good news. So. Holiness being utterly unique, you are unique. The Bible, Peter said that you have been fearfully, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully made is that there's more to you than what you might think, but but we're nothing without him. We're nothing without him is who we are and what we're living for is found in him alone. But to think that maybe many of us have been trying to live lives of holiness and purity. And if I can just get it together, can we just be honest. It's like, like I've, 
I, I live, I, I fight that on a daily basis where it's like, okay, I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to do this right. I'm trying to, I need to, and, and, and a lot of times the motivation can be like, Lord, I want to bring you something. Like I want to bring you something good. I want, I want to do something. My, my heart is to please you. But I believe the Lord is saying, I want you to come and encounter my presence, encounter my holiness, and is the, actually the thing that is giving you identity. It's the thing that is actually causing you to become who you are, is to know him, to know him. A lot of times, have you ever been, have you ever struggled to hear God's voice, feel like you're hearing God's voice? Probably most people in the room. Um, when we are in God's presence and we feel him, even if we don't feel like he's speaking to us logically, his presence is teaching us. It teaches your spirit, man. It teaches your heart. He's actually, have you ever just, I, I have learned a lot about people by just taking long car rides with them. Yeah, just sometimes the people that you're closest to a lot of times, you can ride in a car together for a couple hours and not say a word, but it's like, I know you. I know you. And there's something about being with the Lord, even if he's, you're not hearing, but you're just being with him. You're like, I'm learning him. I know him. I know the way, like, there's just something about being with him that he's teaching me who he is. And so I want, I'm saying that to say, don't get discouraged if you feel like, well, God's not speaking to me. Sometimes he just wants to come and sit with you to prove to you that he just loves to be with you. And he's teaching you in those moments. He's teaching your spirit, man. You know, um, I want to give you three things, okay, with encountering the Lord. Um, how many of you know Paul the Apostle? He wrote two-thirds of the... Um, two-thirds of the New Testament, brilliant guy. He was actually this, this guy, his name was Saul, and he was persecuting Christians. He was on his way to Damascus to uh, basically get permission to really persecute the church and to, um, to uh, have, really have them killed and all kinds of things. And so he's on his way. He's, he's got a couple guards with him, and he's on the road to D Damascus. And uh, it says that all of a sudden there becomes this bright shining light and this voice from heaven. And the voice says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And there's Saul and he is now on the ground. It says that the guards hear a voice, but they can't see anything. It says that they're scared. And Paul ha begins to have this conversation with whoever this is talking to him. He, he doesn't know who it is, but his response is, who are you, Lord? And it's interesting that he says, Lord, because I believe that he knows whoever I'm addressing right here, their Lord, their Lord, <laughs> whoever is showing up in this way. I think I'd probably do the same thing. Like, I don't know, but whatever this is, you, you're in charge. And um, and so Paul has an encounter with the Lord. He has an encounter with him. He, he encounters the Lord and what he does in that moment, the moment he said, Lord was the moment he surrendered to that voice. That was surrender. He said, your Lord, what do you want me to do? You're in charge. 
And then Jesus from there gives him instructions. He says, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. And he says, go into town, do this, tells him what to do. Guess what Paul did? He got up and he did what he was told to do. And so I believe in our lives with the Lord is that we, the, the Lord wants you to encounter him. I'm not saying you're going to encounter him on the road and he's going to show up and come as like a blinding light and all that. Okay. But I'm saying as, as for you, as you seek him, you will encounter him. If you seek him, he's not hiding from you. I promise the Lord's not hiding from you saying like, catch me if you can, you know, if we played hide and seek with the Lord, he'd probably win. Um, (laughs) anyways, it's a joke. Um, But I'm saying this is that the Lord, he loves you and he wants you, right? He wants you. He wants to be with you. He wants to be found. He wants you to seek him. He wants you to say, Lord, I'm here. But there's going to be this moment in your walk with the Lord as you encounter him where it's not just you going to him and saying, Lord, I need like my bills paid. I need a new car. I need this. I need this. Lord, will you do this for me? Like he's Lord. I believe it's this place where we're saying, look, you're Lord. And I can come to you trusting that you already know all of my needs. And the point isn't to just, you're not like a genie, like rub the lamp and let's get, but I'm here to come to you knowing that you want me, you're for me. And I can actually submit to you in every place of my life that you it's giving him his rightful place in your life. It's saying, I'm completely surrendered to whatever is about to come out of your mouth and you tell me to do. There is actually so much freedom in surrender to the Lord. Even Jesus, he said, I only do what I was, I only do what I hear the father say, what I see him do. He lived, learned to live this life fully submitted to the Holy one who is utterly unique, who is good in everything that he does. It's not me trying to figure out life. It's not me trying to get it all together. It's actually me coming to the one who from the beginning of time has it all figured out. He has, he's, he's not only powerful, but he's good. And he loves me and he created me in love so I can come and I can fully surrender to the Holy One and I can trust that he's making me holy. I can actually trust him with my salvation. I can trust him with my life. I can trust him with my family and my kids. But he is a Lord to be surrendered to. He is a Lord to be surrendered to. Our worship is obedience to him. I told our team this, this morning before we went out to worship, I said, you know who's the worship leader in the room? I said, the worship leader in the room is the one who is doing what the Lord's asking. That's the worship leader. I said, no, I expect you guys to do that. If the Lord says something, I said, if the Lord tells you to drop the microphone, you drop the microphone. That's, and that's your worship. It's whatever he says. It's whatever he wants. I heard somebody say this week that worship is not me giving God what I want to give him. Worship is him receiving what he wants. And our lives are this, is that we come to him and we say, Lord, what do you want? And here's the good news. You can come to him and he's only going to want good for you. Some of you, you might not want to ask, you might not ask that God that question because you think that God's not going to be good to you. Or you think God's ready to beat you up for all the bad things that you've done. But I guarantee you, if you begin to say, God, what do you want? I I believe you'd begin to hear things like, I want to impart holiness into you. 
I want to impart joy into you. I want to impart peace. All the things that you've been striving for, I just want to impart them to you. Will you surrender? You don't work for joy. You surrender to joy. Surrender, I receive. It's, the gospel looks like that, that constantly is, Lord, I can't do anything of my own. I need you. I need you. That's what the gospel is. I need you. Lord, you're holy. I need you. Everything I could ever be. I, I know this. You want to know who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to look like? Begin to look at God. Begin to seek him. Begin to see who he is. You'll, you'll realize that he's good in all he does. And as you see him, like, you want to be kind? Encounter the one who's kind. And you'll realize, oh, I can be kind because I was something inside of you will say, I was born to be kind. You struggle with being faithful. You encounter the faithful one and you, be, and you begin to say, man, I was made to be faithful. You're like, I wish I was a better friend. Let me get 10 books on how to be a better friend. No, encounter the one who's the best friend you'll ever have. He's a good friend, and when you encounter him, you'll realize, I can be a good friend. I need peace, Lord. He's like, I am peace. Come and encounter me. Come and know me. Come seek me. Come seek me and surrender to me and do whatever I tell you to do. I've learned a couple things. Marriage has taught me a lot about my relationship with God, is sometimes you just got to do what you're told simplifies things. Men, can you agree? <laughs> and let me tell you this, in your walk with God, just do what you're told. Some of you might not like what your wives tell you to do, right? <laughs> I'm going I'm to get in trouble, but y'all good. I, I, I don't want this to be heavy for you. This should be something this morning where you realize all the things that I really want, all the things that I know I should be, that I feel like I'm failing at, it's not going to come by me just getting better. It's not going to come by just pulling my big boy pants up, my big girl pants, and just doing it. It's going to come by surrendering to the one who was and is and is to come, to the one who has everything you need. And some of you, you just need to let the, let the weight fall off of you feeling like it's up to you. Holiness is not up to you. It's actually holiness is a person. His name's Jesus, and he gave himself for you, and what he's always wanted, and what he always is going to want, and he's not going to change, is intimacy with you, and closeness. John chapter 16, he said, Father, that we would be, that they would be one with me like me and you are one. I want to be one with them. I want to be close. I, want, I know if they can find me, if they can be engrafted in me, and they, they, if they can be grafted in me and ingrained in my life, then everything that good is flowing from me will come to them, and they're not going to have to, to think about trying and striving and being something. He says, I actually want to put it deep in their hearts, and instead of them trying to be, they just are. They just are that. I just believe today that the Lord wants to set some of you free from striving and the feeling of, ah, oh, I feel like for some dads in the room today, you felt like I haven't been the dad that's hit the mark. I've fallen short. And instead of you trying to figure it out or beat yourself up, I believe that the Lord is saying, I want you to encounter the father so that you can become the father you were meant to be.
Maybe you're a mom in the room and you're like, I haven't been the mom I'm supposed to be. Or maybe you're like, I don't feel like I've been the wife I'm supposed to be. Or I don't feel like I've been the son or the daughter, whatever. You fill in the blank. And today, encountering the Lord is what you need. And he's not hiding. Again, he's not hiding. He's saying, here I am. Here I am. It's coming to him. It's surrendering to him. It's good news, right? It's good news. So can we stand this morning? I want to say this. You were made to be holy. You were made to be holy. You were made to be utterly unique. Dads, our children need us to be utterly unique. Whatever we carry is what we're giving as an inheritance to our kids. Whatever you're carrying in your heart is what you're giving to your children. It's not, inheritance isn't, it isn't just how much money or property or whatever assets you're leaving your kids. It's the legacy of your heart that you're leaving them. It's, it's that while you're with them, what are you imparting? Who are you forming? And I believe that the Lord is wanting to restore fathers into a place of holiness. We're in my heart. I've, and so what does that require of us? It requires of us encountering the Holy One. I think for some of us, that requires us to come into the light and say, Lord, this is completely who I am. You know, I, I can't hide from you. I can't, you know, it's easy for us to come to a place and say, well, this is just who I am. This is just the things I've done. I've tried this. We begin to settle into all these things that we just begin to say, well, this is what it is. And I believe when we encounter the holiness of the Lord, it begins to cut away everything that we're not supposed to be. That's the goodness of God is that he comes and you begin to see him and you realize, oh, that thing that I normalized and said, I just excused. I realized I was never supposed to be that. I don't wear that well. All my anger, I thought I was just a short-tempered person. I just called myself that, that I'm just angry. It's part of my personality. Can't stop looking at that. Can't stop doing that. Can't, and we justify. Some of us, we have to encounter the holiness of God so that we can actually realize some of the things that we've been carrying were never meant to be carried. Because if we're carrying it, we're giving it to our children. We're giving it to those who are in our influence. And I believe the Lord's saying, I want generations. I want, I want children who are pure, who have something to look at to say, that looks like the Lord. So I want to pray a prayer for you, but I want you to come before the Lord this morning. I just believe the Lord wants us, he wants us to look like him. He wants us to be free. That is his heart who the sun sets free is free indeed. So you need to hear this today is that you have been made holy. You have been made holy. You've been made right. You just have to learn to surrender to it and receive it. So this morning, Lord, we come.
We give you our hearts. We give you our minds. We give you everything we are. I thank you, Jesus, that it was by your blood that you've made us holy. It wasn't of our doing. It wasn't because we said a nice prayer. It wasn't because we decided to attend a church or to become members. But Jesus, it was because you died on the cross that we have been set free and made holy. And so we say every moment of every day, we need you. We need you. Some of you in the room, you just need to tell him this morning, Jesus, I need you. Whatever it is in your life this morning that you're saying, man, this has been the thing. This has been the thing that the Holy Spirit's highlighting right now. You need to bring that to the Lord and say, Lord, I can't. I can't carry this anymore. I can't fix this. I can't get this right. I need you. It is surrender and dependence to him. And as you surrender that thing to him or those things, whatever he tells you to do, do it. I just want to leave a little space this morning for us to do that with the Lord. If the Lord has something in your heart, if the Lord is pointing out something, it's not to hurt you, it's to heal you, it's to make you right. And I want you to lay that before the Lord and say, again, say, Lord, I can't fix this. I need you to. Lord, I can't heal this wound in my heart that I've tried to, to, to fix and I've tried to heal on my own. I can't anymore. I need you. I need to encounter the one who is the healer. This morning, begin to declare your dependency on the Lord. Lord, I need you. It's okay to need him. Because whether or not you can receive that, it's just the truth. You need him. So, Lord, I just thank you for your goodness and your peace. Would you just put your hand on the shoulder of someone next to you? And I just want you to do this. I just want you to say, just speak blessing over that person next to you. Just say, Lord, bless them. Lord, fill them. Lord, wash them in your love. Fill them with your peace. I want you to say this. Say, Lord, thank you that this is your holy one. Thank you that you have made them holy. Now I just want you to speak to that person, even with your eyes closed, and I just want you to tell them, say, you are holy. It's who you are because of what the Lord has done. Now go and be holy. Amen. Hey, I want to close with this. Jesus, he encounters the woman who um, had been caught in adultery, right? And he goes to her and he says, where are your accusers? And she said, there are none. He said, that's right. And he said, go, sin no more. Go, be free. Some of you, you need to hear this. You're holy. Go be holy. Okay. Yes. Don't go and, I got it. No, just go and be. It's who you are. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Love you guys. Happy Father's Day. Go have a great, amazing day.
Thank you for tuning in to our Sermon of the Week. For more information, please visit us at thewellspringchurch.org.